0: You're not going to be drawing in the ladies with your Morse code uh, (laughs) prowess, but at least you know if someone's there and you're like, "That's a new one." Morse code prowess! I'm going to
1: I'm I'm going (laughs) to harp on that a little bit. (laughs) I'm Dennis Mojado amateur radio call sign ad6dm and this is the hamdom thoughts podcast this is a podcast about amateur radio prepping software and tinkering and here we are we start season two of the hamdom thoughts series i've been on quite a hiatus and i'm sorry for that but we're back and i want to thank you for joining us once again today In today's episode, we'll be joined by VK7HH Hayden Honeywood, also known as Ham Radio DX. Hayden is an active ham in the land of Australia with extensive outreach efforts to increase the number of hams in VK land. And he's known for also performing long marathon live streams on YouTube. Hayden likes to share his discoveries, his gear reviews, and radio experiments, and recently surprised us, US hams, by traveling more than 10,000 miles to attend the Dayton Hamvention. Let's get to know him more, stay tuned. an honor having you here today on the show. How you doing?
0: I'm good, Dennis. How are you? Very good. It's, uh, I, I, I just noticed you've got a fantastic radio voice in that intro. I was just listening
1: to it. <laughs> well, and not you. all hams have a fantastic radio voice, but you do, so. <laughs> you know, the thing is, I have not perfected piping this audio into my radio yet. I have oh. everything hooked up into the Flex software. But it's just not right yet. I, I kind of overdrive my signal on my flex. So it's only on hand and thought you get to hear this. I, you don't hear it <laughs> when you're actually making a QSO with me.
0: <laughs> well, it sounds absolutely fantastic. And in actual fact, on my uh, trip to Hamvention on, on the train, which we'll get into at some point, there was a guy who was on the snack bar, and he would come over the announcement on the train saying, would you like any snacks? And he had the perfect radio voice. And oh, I nice. went down to him and I said to him, I said, mate, your, your voice is it's great. It's, it's, it's uh, made for radio. And he's like, you know what? I used to be a radio announcer. Oh, nice. So, I, was, <laughs> I, must, uh, I must just pick him out. So, there you well, go. Well,
1: I, I did my stint in, uh, as a news announcer in the Philippines when I was mm. in college. I, uh, I was uh, part of DWBM, Jazz Radio. So, huh. that's one thing. I didn't know a thing about microphones or anything like that. They just set everything for me and just say, "Okay, talk," because I had a, I had an American accent. That's why they hired me. So, you know, oh, okay, they wanted the good English accent. So, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thanks for joining me today. Uh, this is you, you're the first guest that I've had in this uh, resurrection of a podcast since uh, last year, since twenty twenty two, late twenty twenty two, and. Very excited to have you on. Um, I mean, you're you're pretty well known. You made a you kind of uh, made a reputation for yourself uh, with your surprise videos recently. But even before then, you know, I remember watching you, and I'm like, man, this guy's still on. It's like you know, <laughs> 20 hours later, and I realized it was it was something that you were trying to do for 24 hours or something like that. But uh, yeah, the highlight was the. Ten thousand plus mile trip to Dayton, Ohio, where you, where no one, practically no one knew. It was just uh, temporarily offline. Steve and uh, Kyle, AA Zero said, who who knew about this? And then, of course, my favorite recent videos: your Big Jim bleeps videos. <laughs> Make him come across Jim. like he's constantly cursing all the time, which is, uh, you know, will <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll uh, further that. That uh, rumor, but Jim's yeah. a good sport. <laughs> the, I, I'm probably going to see him in uh, what is it, about three three weeks at Huntsville. Oh, so, yeah. I don't know if I can duplicate your bleep uh, effect, but I will try. Yeah,
0: just be careful. Be careful because you never know what's going to come out of his mouth. Um, <laughs> now the. You mentioned actually the 24-hour live streams. That's a contesting live stream. Mm -hmm. That contest is actually coming up in about three weeks and I've been contemplating whether to actually do it again this year. Um, I probably will. It's – I I actually – that contest I won last year in Mm -hmm. in VK land here. So, um, I – I don't want to go too hard and too serious because I don't really want to win it again. I want someone else to win it. So, mm-hmm. um, but uh, but I might do I might do a live stream. You're we'll like see the, if we do it. You're full the
1: seasoned pro, points. and you're just like, I want someone else to have a chance. <laughs> I'm too good.
0: Um, well, that the way that works actually, it's a state based contest. So, ah. uh, my state's VK7, <clears throat> and um, what they do is they combine the tally of of points by uh, each state for people who put in logs obviously and then there's like a perpetual trophy for that particular state and i think we've won it for like the last six years in a row so it's mm-hmm.
1: probably about time for someone else to win it yeah, yeah let someone else have a chance yeah <laughs> so for those who are listening who are a little bit new when we talk about vk land and uh, the different hams in different regions vk is the prefix for australia and how do you feel when someone says you're the, from the Land of Oz?
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, it's is that an that? apt description. Okay. <laughs> um,
1: Cuz uh, I've seen it said or heard it said, the Land of Oz, and I'm like, I don't know if this is, you know, it's kind of like and you may have done this, so and uh, so I'm letting you know I'm not offended, but when visitors come to San Francisco and they call it San Fran, no yeah. one no one calls it that, right? <laughs> so it's like this guy's a foreigner, right? It just, it's kind of, it's grating to our ears when we hear it. But what's um, the,
0: uh, <laughs> what's the, what's the nickname for it though? Because obviously as an Australian, we make nicknames for absolutely everything. Yes. Is it Frisco? Frisco. Do you call it Frisco?
1: Frisco works. Yeah. I've heard it called Frisco. I've called it Frisco. Uh, I yep. don't know. I'm not a native San Franciscan, so I might actually be pissing people off right now, but <laughs> I, I've called it Frisco as a Bay Area native for 30 years. Um, yep. But when I hear San Fran, I'm just like, oh, where did he even get that?
0: <laughs> we we probably—I mean, I—I I wasn't really actually thinking about it when I was referring to it in 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 my recent trip there. But uh, as far as Australia is concerned, probably the most common one, especially from say the United States, is Down Under. It's yeah. always, yeah, it's always it's always Down Under. We're at the bottom of the planet, mm-hmm. um, you know, depending on which way you look
1: at the planet, of course,
0: yes. but. Uh, if it's ape, it's probably it's probably on the flat somewhere. Yeah, the, you're, the you're just uh,
1: further down there by the edge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if it's smoking ape,
0: hello to hello to ape. Yes, if you're listening. Um, but uh, but no, uh, Aussie land, uh, land of Oz, Australia. It's very it's very hard to offend us. So you know you can call it whatever okay. you want. So right. convict land, yeah, just the land of the sure convicts.
1: That, uh, I, I I've called it Oz. <laughs> many times. I have relatives in the, in the Brisbane area and also in Sydney. Mm -hmm. And so um, I've called, they're my, I say they're my Oz relatives or my rallies, as you would say.
0: Rellies. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. We put, we've, we put S on the end of everything, Maccas and, (laughs) you know, all sorts of things. So
1: So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? I mean, uh, you know, you're one of the rare hams in Australia, if you look at the numbers. There's like tens of thousands there versus the hundreds of thousands in, in the US. Um, tell us how you got into it, what interests you about it, and and how you really um, just got turned on to ham radio. Yeah,
0: well, it's, it began when I was a child. So when I was oh, early teens, it would have been. I was actually thinking about this question uh, yesterday when you sent through some of the notes through. And I was trying to remember what year it was. It was probably about 2000 and I reckon it would have been 2001, 2002. I was probably about 11 or 12 years old. And I had an interest in, it was around about the time where the where personal computers started to become a little bit more affordable for, you know, uh, at least down here, affordable for families and things to have their own computer in a house. And um, I used to like pulling them apart and, and building up a PC, and I think I had Windows 98 on nice. it. And <laughs> then I think I upgraded to Windows ME. and uh, no, that, was well, that was probably not, a downgrade. not
1: an upgrade.
0: <laughs> no, that was probably a downgrade. I think I stayed with Windows 98. Anyway, I started fiddling with computers, I think. And then it, it kind of led on to, I discovered uh, there's a famous Australian entrepreneur here called Dick Smith. And he started Dick Smith Electronics back in the 70s and 80s. And he produced some electronic kits, which were um, on plastic uh, breadboards. And there was a book and you could pick a kit and he, he provided all of the components. And this is, mind you, this is a, he, he had chain store, like large stores, chain stores all around Australia. So it was very easy to get access to these. And we would put these kits together and you could build stuff. And I started doing that and tinkering. And then he had a, a second version, which was a soldering version. And I made some, some soldered up some boards there. So I started with that. And one of the kits in that was a CB, uh, 27 megahertz CB AM receiver. And I remember making it and it didn't work. I didn't hear anyone. It didn't work. I thought, oh, I've felt it wrong or something like that, and I never really got. <laughs> I never really went back to it, but I built a crystal set. That was another one, and that worked fine. Mm-hmm. And so I started tinkering with with these, you know, with electronics and stuff, and got a basic understanding. And then one day, I didn't even realize it. I, I'd, I'd never known about this until one day I was visiting one of my uncles who lives uh, a couple of hours away, and he had on his desk this day. Uh, Kenwood TS one twenty V radio, and I said to him, "I said, wow, what's that? That that's interesting." And he said, "Put put the headphones on and tune around." And I, I I can vividly remember this is so I can actually vividly remember my first interaction with amateur radio. This is in two thousand and four, I think, and I remember tuning around on twenty meters and hearing British stations, UK and 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 on 20 meters on 14 megs and i i was just you know i was hooked from that stage onwards you know mm-hmm. yeah and then i and, and then i discovered that not only that uncle but then i had my dad's brother my another uncle he was also a ham radio operator and then i'd learnt that actually it's it kind of runs in our family a little bit ah so so that from that point forward i was i was hooked and took my license passed my license uh got 100% on the test which was Back in when I was 13 nice. and uh, I was just starting high school and just never really lost the nice the drive for well, it. I suppose It
1: sounds like you're a young and you're talking about early 2000s and you were that young um, and well, you kind of lucked now,
0: out. So it's been a while ago.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you <laughs> lucked out having uh, hams in the family that just kind of usher you into this fantastic hobby of ours. So that's pretty cool. And uh, you say you got 100% on your test. Uh, can you tell us a little bit, like, I'm sure I've seen before some streams about, that talk about the process for getting licensed outside of the U.S., but I, I can't remember it. Um, can you tell me what it's like uh, becoming an amateur radio operator in, in Australia?
0: So when I passed my exam, uh, back in my day when I passed my back exam, in my day, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, they just dropped, uh, uh, sorry, no, they hadn't dropped. Mine was the lowest entry level where it didn't require code. So code was still part of the system and it was only about a year or two later they actually dropped the code requirement completely. So I got in the entry level with no code. It was paper license, a uh, paper exam rather. And uh, it was, you know, marked and back to you within maybe, I think it was a few weeks or a week. That's pretty fast. The process, yeah, yeah, the process today um, and and then when you would, uh, so you would get it marked and you would know your results within a week or so um, unless you had a super keen invigilator who would like to mark it on the spot for you. But I think I did my test at like, I think it was eight o'clock at night or something. So I don't think they were that keen on doing that. (laughs) Uh, But when I, uh, so it was about a week or so, I think it was. And then it was probably another two weeks for the regulator. So the FCC's equivalent, which is the ACMA here in Australia, for them to issue you with a license. So fast forward to today. And it's actually interesting because there is some movement in changes in how they're dealing with amateur radio licensing and exams and the processes here. At the moment, it's done by a uh, registered training organization uh, called the Australian Maritime College. And they're not associated with amateur radio as we would think. They're not like a amateur club or anything like that. They're just a, a standalone entity. And they uh, organize the syllabus and organize the uh, exams to be distributed to invigilators and mark them and do call sign recommendations and all of that sort of thing. And there's been a little bit of, I suppose, friction in the VK community around it. One is it costs a lot of money. So if you're starting out doing your first exam and you've never part. you've never b- been a ham before and you just you know you you want to get started there's several different processes it's about two hundred dollars to 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 go from unlicensed wow. to a, a license uh, in that your that hand.
1: Is, uh that's prohibitive and i mean if that were happening here i think we'd have a lot less hams
0: we have a theory portion we have a practical portion as well. So the practical portion you only do once and you do it with the invigilator in the room. So they basically, uh, you know, op- the basics of operating a radio, dialing up, say, a IRLP node or make a contact or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then there's also a regulations portion. So they don't mix the theory and the regulations in as well. And you only have to do the practice and the regulations once. So, um When you upgrade, it doesn't cost you as much because you're just paying for the theory portion. Anyway, the Australian Maritime College, they recently announced in May that they're not going to renew the deed that they have to deliver these services because they're delivering them on behalf of the regulator. So the regulator, the ACMA, Australian Communications and Media Authority, they've decided to take that themselves and to give, I, I suppose... There's a lot, there's, it's still a lot in process, like there's, there hasn't been a lot of decisions made, but it sounds like they're wanting to give it back over to amateurs to organize. A little bit similar to the system that you have over there in the United States, which I'm a little bit hopeful and a couple of others of us are a little bit hopeful that it reduces the cost down a little bit and also gives us a little bit more flexibility in doing online exams. Uh, marking you know instant results that sort of so thing e- because so right
1: now it's it's still in person paper exams there's no remote
0: a majority of it is in person they mm-hmm. do do on they do online exams but it's a long convoluted process to actually organize one mm-hmm.
1: okay.
0: because you've got to get special permission and you've got to be a special level of vigilator to do it interesting um, so uh, sorry i say vigilator assessor Assessor's is the correct word but I'm hope hopefully that uh some of these changes will will make it a little bit easier um, because whilst our ham numbers have not dropped massively they've been on a slow downward curve really you know fairly slow um so hopefully reducing that that cost of entry will be the first thing I think and second of all you know with a few other things we can do hopefully we can get a few Hams, because we're we're in a country with about twenty five million people, mm-hmm. so we've only got about thirteen thousand individual hams. It's not a lot wow. compared to the population. That's size. like the
1: that's less than the amount of people at, at Hamvention, right?
0: Mm, yeah, one <laughs> almost a third. <laughs> <laughs> wow.
1: Um, so you you talk actually, about now this. that you've actually
0: now that you've said it that way, I've now. That's just blown my mind about how many hams are in Australia yeah. because of yeah. the invention, you know, being there.
1: Yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I don't know how many are going to be at Huntsville, it's, uh, but uh, it's probably going to be more than the hams in, in Australia as well. Great. <laughs> right. I've got a lot of work to do. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so you, you talk about the, the being a new ham and it being costly uh, to get started. But what are I mean? Are there similar class levels? So we have you know technician, general, and advanced, or uh, extra. We used to have five. We used to have novice, novice before technician, and we used to have advanced in between, general and extra. But how does that work out? How do you how do you upgrade and become the most elite kind of ham in in <laughs> Australia? <laughs>
0: We used to have actually five classes of license as well. And then they simplified it and consolidated them into three. So the entry-level license is foundation, which is – we kind of stole that idea from the UK. They've also got the foundation license. It's got almost the exact same privileges, 10 watts, uh, HF – some HF bands, 80 meters, 40 meters, 15 and 10, I think – 2 metres and 70 centimetres. So that differs a little bit compared to your technician because your technician only allows a certain portion of 10 metres and then you've got everything above. Yeah. And, of course, your technician, you're allowed, what, 1.5 kilowatts as well, Mm -hmm. I think, on certain bands, Mm -hmm. whereas they're limited to 10 watts in foundation. And then the next upgrade is standard, which is 100 watts. Okay. The the actually sorry before I forget so the foundation and technician it's probably easier to get your foundation license than your technician Mm -hmm. uh, because I've been through that process. The standard is the equivalent of your general, and I think that there's quite actually a, a large jump in knowledge required to jump from foundation to to standard. The standard license allows you hundred watts, a couple of extra bands. I think you get, you get full six meter access. Now you get uh, 20 meters and there's a few, I'm trying to remember. There's a couple of other bands as well. And then the next upgrade process is advanced, which is the highest level, which is uh, the one I've got. And it's the equivalent to the extra. And again, that's another, uh, another leap up and, some people say that it's not a a big difference between standard and advanced as far as the study goes uh but i'm I'm not too sure about that I think that it's it's quite a jump uh, so yeah we've we've got the three levels of license uh at the moment numbers foundation is on the way up like there's lots and lots of foundation mm-hmm. licensees coming in which is fantastic to see standards are pretty much plateauing maybe going down just a little bit, but not a, a an awful lot. And then our highest amount of licensees are advanced licensees and they're declining and they're declining relatively quickly, mm-hmm. which I put down to a lot of the older hams, which are unfortunately becoming silent keys mm-hmm. and no one sort of upgrading to, yeah. to fill in those voids. So
1: There have been a lot of hams here, even popular ones. That stuck around in general for a very long time and didn't move to extra until fairly recently so I I was like I was on a testing frenzy so I, I I got licensed in 99 and then just did nothing with it for a long time and then when I was interested again in the hobby and started thinking about Hf I, I was like I'm just going straight for the top I, I'm not even gonna you know, I, I tried general, I, I, I passed my exam. I tried uh, once, you know, to I, uh, when I took my general, I tried to also get my extra at the same time. And, but I wasn't prepared for it, so I failed miserably. I think I got like 50% or something like that. So I studied hardcore for like a month and then took it again and uh, was extra. So I spent very little time as a general. Yeah, it sounds fairly similar. It's very interesting to hear your wattage limitations per class. It's it's a uh, that's a uh, new to me. It's like as soon as we get the privileges, just you can go full legal limit as soon as you got that band right. More power. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I've ever like. I don't think I've ever transmitted full legal limit. I don't have the capability. It's just good knowing and, that you can.
0: <laughs> you know? And f- for context too, so. Our power limits are a bit weird. We've got basically power limits for modes such as SSB, which are uh, and 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 power limits for say digital modes or FM continuous duty. So peak envelope power and or PX and PY. For it's ten watts for both for foundation. For standard, it's a hundred watts SSB and 30 watts for like the digital modes and FM, which is a bit weird because if you've got a mobile VHF, UHF radio in your car, you can't run 50 watts. You have to run it at, it's usually the 20 or the 25 watt scale. You can't run it at, they're very rarely 30 Mm watts, which is a bit, it's it's a bit of a strange power limitation. And then advanced licensees, we have 400 watts SSB Mm -hmm. and 120 watts FM or Digital. Okay. Uh, so, so, we you can't it, even go to a thousand
1: watts. As we a, don't as have advance?
0: a no, and it's been a long-standing battle to try and get a kilowatt. Interesting. And our our buddies over the over the ditch in New Zealand, we call it the ditch. It's it's the the <laughs> the, the Tasman Sea between us and uh-huh. and New Zealand. Yeah. Uh, cool. They they they're allowed a kilowatt. Mm-hmm. So, you know. <laughs> I, it, it, they, and they tell us all the time <laughs> but anyway it's it's one yeah. thing that we're trying to work on but the yeah the ACMA are very conscious about electromagnetic radiation and exposures and and doing it safely so um, you know we're working on it we're working on it to try and get it but it's uh, yeah we're and we're when still it
1: happens all, suddenly all these Australian hams blasting us with a kilowatt, it's funny too, because I would say whenever I go on the air, like FT8 or whatever, CW Ops uh, contesting, it's like right around the evening time, line time, I'll suddenly be getting all kinds of reception from Australia. And, and if mm. you look at the PSK reporter map, it's gonna be like little tiny cluster, then all of a sudden these long, Lines all the way down across uh, the equator to, down to uh, Australia. And um, more often, surprisingly for me, than hitting Japan. So, Mm. which is theoretically closer to me. But, um, yeah, it's it's really interesting how uh, I'm able to get so many contacts now knowing that you have this limitation on, on the wattage coming out of there.
0: Yeah, having a look uh, a little while ago, there we we put in a request to uh, when I say we, the amateur community, put in a request to the Australian Communications and Media Authority about upgrading to a kilowatt. And one of the things that we highlighted was is how other countries are allowed higher power level limits, which Australia is actually a fair way behind all of the rest of these countries. Excuse me, and um. Whilst that might not sound like like 400 watts, it's still a lot of power. Yeah. But when you compare it to DXs who, you know, hardcore DXs who are running 1.5 kilowatts, if we hear a station that's running 1.5 kilowatts, they're running almost 6 dB more power than what we are. Yeah. And if they're on the fringes of reception, if we can only just copy, there's no way that you're going to be able to copy us with our 400 watts. And obviously the extra distance, and you know, because we're pretty much in the middle of nowhere down here, uh, we need as much power as we can get. So yeah, exactly, um, well, it, that, it does make it does make a big difference.
1: Yeah, it, it also makes any Australia context that much more special. I would say. <laughs> yeah, oh, I mean, we'll, we'll take power. it. Yeah,
0: <laughs> we'll take being called special, sure.
1: <laughs> so you said you hinted that you went through the process here in the US. And you are also known as KD9SSB in the U.S. Can you tell us the, your experience with the U.S. testing process and, and compare it to, how, yeah, I mean, I know it's kind of different because you were very young when you got your, your foundation license, but uh, going through it here, uh, what were your experiences? Uh, well, uh,
0: by the way, that call sign's not a vanity call sign. That's the call sign that was issued by that's the FCC just, that is just straight like, off the bat. That is a great, and it's one of,
1: like, you lucked out on that I, one.
0: <laughs> I don't know how many people have ever had this before where they get that issued. They get a call sign issued and they're like, I'm never changing that. And that's one of those ones. It's like, nah, it's perfect. I couldn't think of a no, better vanity. No, you see
1: plan. that call sign. I thought it was a vanity call the moment yeah. i saw it i thought okay hayden is trying to say something here <laughs> um but no so I, I did the
0: the the process and it's like chalk and cheese it's fantastic the us process when i passed my technician license i was actually uh i i did the test through an australian um uh testing um I'm trying trying to think of the word. It's not company. A, Australian testing um examiner yeah, volunteer examiners is Australia. Right? The, yeah, yeah the VEs, that's it. Yeah. And so they've they're licensed extras and they've got permission from the FCC to do the remote exams, uh, etc. So they they did that and it was all done remotely on Zoom because I'm and, and I mean we're we're all in the same country but I did it here on Zoom and we logged into ham study, went through the, what is it, exam tools, sorry, <laughs> went through the went through the tests, marked instantly, told me whether I'd passed, excellent. And then the next step was, okay, do your general because you get a free crack at it, which yep. when in this country, you don't get the option to have a free upgrade. If you want to do the next test, you have to pay for it. Which, you know, it doesn't really make much sense because if you're there, you may as well have a go. Yeah. And I think I, I, again, I was in the same boat. I didn't study for my general. I was just wanting the technician to get in, to get the foot in the door. And I think I failed it by a few percent, which really bummed me out a little bit because a, a lot of the stuff was regulations. Because some of your regulations are a bit like I think one one is how high can your tower be or something you know, in air, before you have to notify the FAA and it's like 200 feet or something like that, I think is the correct answer. And I'm like, well, that makes no sense to me whatsoever, but, you know, (laughs) it's those kind of questions that i got wrong. And then I just, so just before Hamvention, a couple of months beforehand, I asked Steve, temporary offline Steve, I said, hey, so I'm coming over and I want to operate hf when i come over and he's like well you're gonna have to get your general and i said yes that's what i want to do and anyway he reached out to steve ko4 afl and uh, caitlin kd9 who the who and through glarg i sat again on zoom for general and passed that and had a crack at the extra i actually got more I, actually, I, I got a higher marking on my extra than I expected for no study, so that was nice. that was all right. I didn't pass it, but uh, I got general, and then I come over and I actually didn't operate HF at all. So <laughs> um, so that was that was interesting. <laughs> but, but anyway, you could I, have <laughs> I could have I could have. I uh, Steve and I were going to do a poda but we were just we were making a line for
1: yeah
0: for, for for Ohio. So, but no, the the process was really simple, really easy and i think that it's something we could definitely learn from here uh if we if we can do online exams the way that you guys do them it's gonna benefit be a massive massive benefit yeah i gotta
1: hand it to steve kale K-O- uh ko4 afl right that's his call sign and he's he's the one who really um opened my eyes to the whole remote testing scene and i interviewed him uh some time ago but I thought it was really cool how they were expanding that and and, and really making it accessible to so many people. And, mm. um, you know, I even, it, I, because I, I have the VE, I have the card that says I'm a VE and I was like, oh, yeah, I want to join in. But then I joined the Discord and, and haven't done any remote sessions yet, but I do. I still want to do it. I still want to be part of it. There's There's a set of trainings that you need to go through and watch a bunch of videos of how they go through it. And um, yeah, there's something about doing that too Where I guess you're supposed to make sure That they don't have any cheat sheets Or any Google open or anything like that They're supposed to I I don't remember how they do that But um, you basically have to show where you're at Yeah, and
0: show that I even had to show the roof Because someone Ah. apparently once had the answers (laughs) on the roof And kept looking at the roof
1: Put some uh, notes on the ceiling That's, That's a good one (laughs) <laughs> yeah,
0: but I mean, the f- and this is, I'm not sure if this is actually a requirement, but the first time that I sat mine with the with the VEA here in Australia, they got us to set up not only our webcam, but another phone camera. Uh, yeah. So we just joined Zoom with a second session on our phone that just looked at a different angle at the keyboard mm-hmm. and just had like a wide shot of the room. Just make sure you're which, not typing anything yeah. in
1: while you're answering.
0: Yep. Or so, got you know, a sheet of paper or something with the answers yeah. off to the side. Hey, you know, that's something. a good
1: idea, actually. I'm going to use that the next but, time I interview someone for my company. <laughs> the other,
0: but the other thing is, is the question pool so large. Like, yes. I mean, how are you going to get every single answer on there as well? I mean, I mean, people could probably, uh, you could probably cheat. Yeah. yeah but yeah. I mean, there's, <laughs> there's a lot of questions to actually mm-hmm. write down to, to try and find the
1: answers Especially if you want to if go, you're, go through um, that. Going for extra. There's so yeah. many questions in that yeah. question. Board.
0: But but yeah, the the, the the testing is so easy. And actually speaking of Steve, probably the thing that did bum me out the most was when I come over to Hamvention was this and not telling anyone was the fact that Steve wasn't there and I didn't tell him uh, that I was coming because I I met, obviously I met TO Steve and I met Caitlin and I said, th- you know, thank you for, for doing my general test. But I wanted to thank Steve as well because his, he was part of that and I wasn't able to do it in person because he wasn't at Hamvention. And uh, th- there was a few others too who I didn't meet as well and obviously they didn't know I was coming but maybe in the next couple of years we might be able to come back and,
1: well, and say hello he'll to he'll hear guys. this
0: podcast. <laughs> so there you go, Steve. <laughs> oh, better be careful. Don't say
1: anything bad about it.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> there you go, Steve. Thanks for setting everything. I mean, Steve, you've been uh, – now we're talking to Steve – yeah. Thanks. Thanks for pioneering that. I mean, I know that you're just kind of part of a, a movement, but uh, you're the one who really woke me up to it, and it's it's pretty impressive now how available the testing is. I I I barely remember my my testing. I just remember that I had to go somewhere far, and I had to sit down. There was a bunch of old people there with headphones on, and they're playing cassette tapes of CW messages to pass those Mm. tests and I just took a written test and I was so excited that I didn't have to go through that whole thing with the CW. (laughs) And then I got, I would say it was about a month later, I got a paper typewritten license in the mail uh, from mm. the FCC and uh, now everything is just so quick. Mm.
0: I've already, uh, we've actually got a, speaking of testing in our radio club, we've got some dedicated people in our radio club who do the testing and the education. And they run courses as well for people who want to do that. There's also a few others who do that across Australia too. And I've already mentioned that I want to start, I want to become a VE, but my problem is it has to be remote testing available Mm -hmm. because not everyone start for starters can make it to a radio club. They might live a, a fair way away. Some people may not want to as well, because some people might have social anxiety or worry, you know, or not do, like testing, et cetera, whatever the case is. But if we can offer remote testing, it just broadens out the the reach and and we can do that. So once once we get that down pat, it's still in the early stages here with the changes in Australia, but once we get that down pat, then I think I'll definitely want to start doing some some VE work.
1: Are you part of a radio club?
0: Yeah, so I'm the president of our local oh, club okay. So you, this year. You're very so, much a part of a radio club. <laughs> yeah, I, I've been on the committee for probably the last, uh, I'm trying to think now, I think it's three years. So I was vice president for the last two and this year we swapped the president and I swapped positions. So now he's the vice and I'm the president. And yeah, it's good. Um, we've had quite a large, um, increase actually in members. We did a bit of a member drive. We went through our list of previous members and reached out to them and said, you know, why, you know, why have you not renewed as a member? Is there something that we could do to help? And we've increased, we had a goal last year of a 20% member increase and we met that, we exceeded it. Ah, okay. So we set another goal of another 20% and I think we've got three more members to go until we meet that as well. And we've got, uh, I think at the, we've got 115 members in our radio club, which in a city of, our city is about 200,000 large So, and I think there's a total of about 650 amateurs across the state. So, we've got, Mm. you know, one-sixth of the amateurs are are, are members of our club. So, I think we're doing quite well and we've definitely wanted in the last couple of years to foster an inclusive environment where everyone has a part and everyone has something to say and everyone's equal. So, there's there's no, you can't join our club because... You know, you've only been a ham for a year or something like that. You know, we we we're not about that sort of stuff. And so I think it's working so you quite well. You don't
1: ban anyone because they have a Baofeng and they like FT.
0: <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> we uh, we we even include things into our club. Oh, uh, Okay, we very we, we have meet, We actually have uh, so we have regular what we call experimenters nights every Wednesday night. And the last few nights that I've been. I've counted we've had upwards of about 20, 25 people at an experimenter's night and this is nice. we have present, we have presentations every month, and that's usually when we get the most amount of people. Mm-hmm. But like just just last Wednesday we had you know 20 people and they're all talking about all sorts of different things and one guy was helping someone out with 3D printing, another one was doing some coding. Mm-hmm. Someone else was and, and we, we also broadcast on on ATV.
1: Um, oh. Amateur television.
0: I've always wanted to get television. into that. Yeah. I've so we we broadcast to the to the city on on RF, and we also stream out on YouTube. Mm. So we're very active, and nice. it's fantastic to see. So
1: yeah, because you know how it is with YouTubers, you don't really get a sense of what their in real life ham life is like. Like uh, I I don't know if Josh HRCC Josh is part of a ham club i don't i you know and uh everyone else is kind of like they have their own thing they have their studio they have what they're presenting and the things they're working on so i never really know uh how active like i'm not i think my ham club is my aries club which Mm. is a kind of a more of a volunteer organization for emergency response it's not really uh, like a local ham club where we are going to be Doing mm. experimental nights, well, kind of. I mean, they did a a, a yagi night, which was kind of cool. But um, mm. yeah, it's very what similar, ne- but it's just a different kind of motivation for us to meet. Right? We're mm. all we're all about preparedness and
0: yeah. Response. What what we need in clubs these days, and if anyone who's listening gets anything out of this uh, this episode, it's probably this is that I've heard a lot of people that say, I'm not interested in joining a club because of X, Y, Z, and we need to change that mentality because I think getting a bunch of people, which we are hams together who have a common interest in radio or experimenting or whatever we're interested in, it fosters a great community and there's a lot of knowledge that can be passed around in these communities. And Sometimes it just requires the right people, when I say right people, the people that are doing people that are going to actually push forward and, and, and do stuff, not just sort of sit back and let everyone else do it. They've got to be championing it and, and, and saying, right, we want to go in this direction with our club. We want to do a Yagi night. We want to do a fox hunt day. We want to do all of these activities. Someone to actually organize or people to organize it And I guess the best thing to do is that if you're in a club already and you feel like it's not going the direction that it should be going, then reach out for the positions on committees and decision boards and things like that because you can make a change towards getting a better radio club. You can start to push and champion these. And I can guarantee you that if you make a suggestion and no one else wants to help you with it, but you're willing to push it and keep pushing it, eventually other people will follow because they won't want to do the work. But if you want to do the work and you want to get something done, then others will see the benefits later and they will start to do it. So we've done, we've suggested some things to do in our club and we've done one or two sort of like special days or special presentations or, or, got a few people involved, we've championed it and pushed it and then we've left it with some of those members and they start doing it themselves and then they start, you know, leading that activity. So one is example, Parks on the Air. Mm-hmm. We did a couple of parks um, or I did a couple of parks activations and a, and a couple of others started to get interested and now there's like a whole another subgroup now in the club. There's like five or six people on our Discord and they're out like nice. – all days of the week doing parks and soda and stuff. And like we don't have to do that anymore because they're, they're, they're doing it. So if someone comes into the club and says, I want to do the park stuff, we know where to send them. You can go and talk to this guy or this guy. And they're not necessarily committee members or anything. They're just members who are interested in that particular part of the hobby. Yeah. So I think that that's a, a really important thing that we can work on definitely in the club space.
1: Yeah, I'm part of a local cert as well, the community emergency response team for my city. And, um, it's a similar thing. Uh, I'm, I'm really big on digital communications and go bags and just, uh, grab and go type stuff. Right. And, uh, so just from my own show and tell, I guess, and, and just excitement about it just saying this is you you know how easy it is to get you know send a win link email from anywhere and now i get all these random questions from the different members of the team and it's a pretty big group and they will be like hey dennis i got a question for you i'm trying to make a go bag like the one you showed the other day and <laughs> it's like yeah it's just like this offshoot of our general interest in helping the community uh is now we have this like subset of people who are are moving along in the like portable go bag community I guess <laughs> I don't know yeah. but yeah, it's, it's just it's, uh, it's, there's all these little facets and where it's like oh yeah that's you want to you talk about that go talk to this person and now just from I was just excited to show it off because I thought it was like totally cool after I was all done putting it all together and mm-hmm. then now it's like I'm the de facto uh, digital guy, I guess. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, that's right.
1: <laughs> so, well, speaking I of which, we, I mean, sh- we should have—I was, was going to say—we
0: should have—we uh, should have put a, a, a disclaimer or warning that if you do start to champion stuff, you do yes. become the
1: go-to person, yeah. person for it all. <laughs> it's kind of like uh, it's similar at work. I have people at work who are really into certain um, aspects of things, like certain technologies or frameworks, and then I'm like, you got to be careful if you're too good at this you just become the person who gets invited to every meeting about explaining how to do it for them, right? And a victim of your own success, right? So to speak. Yeah. It's like, you, if you're really excited about something, you become the SME about it. And, and then they won't leave you alone.
0: <laughs> yep. Exactly.
1: <laughs> yeah. But speaking of which, I mean, you're, you're talking about things that you want to move in your club and then it taking off and having its own subgroups. But uh, what are the kinds of things that you like to do? What are, what are your activities? What do you like to do most?
0: So I've had a range of different things that I've wanted to do and the things that I have done at the moment, it's probably in broken into those two categories. As far as the activities that I like to do at the moment, it's probably the the, the thing that I've done for a long time is repeaters. I'm a repeater builder, um, oh, okay. maintainer, owner. So I've got, a. Re- I've, you can't see out of the shot here because obviously we're on Zoom at the moment, but I've got a very, very messy floor that's got repeaters littered all over the ground, which I <laughs> nice. need to get on the air. <laughs> so at the moment, I've got a, a two-meter repeater and a two-meter two repeater to repair and a 10-meter repeater to get on there. So repeaters, uh, VHF, UHF, tropospheric ducting and sporadic E really is interesting to me as well. So um, leading into that as well is microwaves. So I've done a few videos on my channel. You'll see that a lot of that has to do with getting into the microwave bands. Uh, We, you know, set a we set some records on some of the microwave bands. So at the moment I'm a dual record holder with another amateur in my club oh, wow. uh, from here to New Zealand on 2.4 gigahertz and wow. 1.2 gigs. So that's about, I think it was, a, I'm trying to convert in my wow. head to miles, 1800 miles.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So it's a fair, fair distance. Uh, that, six meters is impressive. Six meters is my most favorite band mm-hmm. of all time. Um, it's just magic. So when I imagine
1: two-meter repeater parts, I'm thinking like these these repeaters that I've seen uh, in video. I haven't seen them live, but people would do kind of a, a tour of a repeater site like in the Bay Area, and it's these massive, like, I don't even understand the parts, but it's just like, looks like tubes, and it looks like giant things that handle a lot of current and boxes on racks. I mean, is, is that what you're talking about, or are you talking yeah. more like? Uh, crossband repeat type things.
0: I- <laughs> no, uh, no. What you what you described is definitely a typical repeater. So, mm-hmm. you know, you've got your you've got your transmitter and your receiver, which usually is boxed up into one box, mm-hmm. and then you've got those big big filters. Which they because you're transmitting and receiving so close in frequency on two meters, the splits six hundred kilohertz. It's not a lot. Yeah. so the problem is is when your transmitter transmits it just wipes out your receiver or its ability to receive anything so what you need is you need those filters to notch out one side but then pass the other and then conversely the other the other way around as well so your transmitter is notched out of your receiver and your receiver is notched out of your transmitter and then you usually connect that to one antenna
1: uh-huh.
0: and that's what that's what they are so it's there's there's a lot of being a repeater builder is a very, very uh, time-consuming job. It's You've got to not only do the radio side of things, but the program, the controller, you've got to know about programming, the power supplies, the cables that you use, the antennas, Especially, you've got to tune filters. There's, and with all of this, you gain skills. You gain a lot of RF skills in tuning and understanding how radios work and fault finding and all these sort of things so it's it's beneficial but it is very time consuming but i enjoy it
1: sounds really and interesting then, i wish i could get into that
0: and then after you've installed uh after you've installed your repeater going and checking coverage seeing yeah, who can yeah. get into it yeah. how well it's
1: getting out how you can improve it so do you so, have some really good sites up on a mountain or something
0: yeah Yeah, so we've got, so where I live, it's pretty hilly um, or mountainous terrain. So we've got a lot of valleys that we need to try and cover. And our repeater system is a little bit different. It's actually a voted simulcast system. So it's got multiple receivers all on the same frequency that vote on which one you're getting into the best. And then it sends those to multiple transmitters on the same frequency as well. And they're all synchronized so that they don't interfere with one another. And you basically run on one channel across the entire southern half of the state here and you wouldn't even know it. So nice. it works quite
1: quite well. And so what's your shack like? I mean, you're saying that you got (laughs) repeater parts on the floor, but just in terms of your own operation, what's it like? What kind of antenna do you use?
0: Uh, i've I've got the the saying that if you've got a messy bench, then it's a sign of productivity yes. if it's clean, oh, then I, you're not doing all I right. absolutely <laughs> agree if
1: you were to look at my floor right now, it's nothing but battery building parts yeah, yeah. yeah, but I have my webcam angled in a way that you don't see it. you just see the
0: <laughs> the books <laughs> so antenna wise I've got a dX commander in the backyard vertical that's oh, a classic okay. okay. So I've got that antenna uh, because I don't have a lot of space in the backyard and it gives me every HF band uh, well, except for, well, not 160 meters, but 83 to 10. And <laughs> that's, I mean, you know, it's a compromise sort of, you know, I could put up a half-wave dipole or something like that, but I don't have the space or the room. So the, the fan vertical, the quarter waves uh, work pretty well. Uh, for two meters and seventy centimeters, I have a just a diamond vertical antenna, mm-hmm. a V two thousand diamond vertical antenna that also does six meters as well. But I have a dedicated six meter five element Yagi which is pointing at the US permanently. So, um, I I have that in my small small rental backyard. So <laughs> unfortunately, I can't put any towers up or large antennas. So I'm a bit limited there. Yeah, and in and terms as far of, as in, uh, your rigs, yeah, yeah. So in the shack, I've got um, all Icom pretty much. I've got an Icom IC seventy three hundred. I've got a ninety seven hundred, and then I've got a seven hundred five for portable work as well. I've got a squillion handhelds. Um, I only probably use one or two of them, and my, and in the in and, I, and I've also got mobile as well. So in the car, I've got. A Yaesu FT8900 quadband ah, yes. radio.
1: That's a good crossband one, right?
0: Yeah. Yep. And I'm just about to install, once I fix a small fault, a Kenwood TMD710 another, in the car.
1: Another good crossband one. Those two. Yeah. I wanted yep. to get either of those two because of the crossband capability, and they're pretty much sold out. I can't find them yep. anymore.
0: And both of those radios are full duplex as well, so you can use them for satellites as well if you want to use them for that. They're very, very yeah. versatile. I'm going to use the Kenwood for APRS because I have a standalone APRS tracker, but I actually want the Kenwood for APRS, and it's and it and it's a real TNC as well, so you can do real messaging and everything. So
1: really cool. And what about the? Because you're into microwave. What about the? Um, the new icon, the uh, the thing that was it the nine oh five,
0: yeah, the nine oh five.
1: I don't have a nine oh five in my
0: possession. Uh, the trip to Hamvention probably did put a dent in my budget to be able to do that. Uh, but for uh, for microwave, I've got um, uh, I've got transverters, so oh, I've got yes. a two point. Yes. I I only go up to three point four gigs. You don't see that's the other thing is in the US you lost that band. We've still got a a small section of that band. We lost recently a, a bit of it, but we still have 3.4 gigahertz. So I go up as high as that. Probably the next band that I want to do is, is 10 gig. Cause we've got about five or six club members on 10 gigahertz and maybe yeah. s- six or seven, 10 gig systems in the state. So we got so uh, a N6 ARA over, over
1: here. Um, Mm-hmm. He's in he's in Southern California, and he's been showing some pictures of his ten gig setup. And he he'd backpack his dish, and it it doesn't. I mean, I would joke with him. I'm like, that doesn't look conspicuous at all. <laughs> it's this yeah. giant, giant dish hanging off of him.
0: <laughs> yeah, but uh, well, it ten, looks really cool. Ten gigs. Ten gigs here is mostly Earth Moon Earth experimenting. Ah, uh, okay. EME. Um, I I probably won't do as much Earth Moon Earth. I'll be more terrestrial. But yeah. Ten gigs is probably the next band. Uh, waiting to try um, five point eight as well because five point eight gigs is is uh, we share it with uh, the the Wi Fi Wi Fi spectrum. I think, but the amount of antennas and gear you can get for for that is is pretty plentiful too. So that's probably the next yeah the next band as well. Those uh, two. How bands. is
1: the uh, Arden coverage out there? Do you do So you we don't have
0: any- We don't really have an Arden network here. Okay. We don't really run that. Um so that's more of a that's more of a US thing. We don't uh, Yeah, we don't have a an so Arden mesh a, network. Is
1: it is it the frequencies that you just don't you can't be on them or is it more of like it's just not taking off there?
0: No, uh, we we definitely have access to the frequencies. I just don't think it's taken off and I don't know how many people actually know about it as well because our emergency services network is a little bit probably, I guess, different to to what you've got over there as well. Um, but um, that's probably a video that I should do. I should highlight the, the benefits of having an ARD network and we should set up some sort of mesh around our city. That would yeah. be pretty cool.
1: Yeah. So when you do ATV, what frequency is that
0: on? Uh, 445.5, so UHF.
1: Okay. Really cool. That's another aspect of ham radio that I've never gotten into but always interested in. It's mm. just it's, yeah, it's similar to Arden a... for me. I don't have anyone to, to transmit to or, or, or you know talk with. So I am just gonna have to convince some close by hams to, to give it a try with me.
0: <laughs> I think we've got a twenty watt transmitter, I wanna say, and anyone who's
1: in the city because
0: it's where our club rooms is is pretty central centrally located in the middle of our city uh, if if anyone's nearby they can tune in using their their TV there are some restrictions i think some televisions are a bit funny about the frequency that it's on i, I think they exclude the band or something like that but others are uh, they just they do scan over it and you can watch um, you can watch it on on the uh on, so on just cool. regular tv or set top box so you like yeah
1: check out what i'm what i'm watching on youtube right now just tune into yeah. my atv channel
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> we're like we're that. trying to uh upgrade our systems we've just moved over from i think some composite equipment to sdi and we've upgraded some cameras and i i think we're looking at we're going to start transmitting in uh, full hd soon nice so we're doing a bit of uh, you're yeah, doing a bit of experiment- experimentation cool. there. So,
1: so that segues into my next question about projects. What are you working on? I mean, in your background right now, the the listeners can't see it, but you have this uh, oscilloscope. It looks like in the shadows there, and uh, it looks like a parts bin of some kind. You have all kinds of parts and stuff. Oh, there we go. You just turned on the light there.
0: Just turn on the light. So like, that's uh, actually a service monitor that I just purchased. Oh. That is an RF service monitor to do my tuning for repeater building. Oh, it tunes okay. receivers, transmitters, filters. So I've got that, which is yeah, just a recent purchase. Uh, some of the other projects that I've got on at the moment uh, is again the repeater stuff. That's been a long-standing one. Uh, the the repeater I should mention too. It's based on Allstar. So, ah, okay. uh, so all, all stars, not just uh, nodes that link together, it's also a full, fully functioning repeater system. And that's where the voting and simulcasting is. It's also built into all star, too. So, there's a couple of changes that I need to do with that. Uh, some other projects, though, that I'm doing or been experimenting with is uh, finally getting onto digital modes. So, I've been experimenting with DMR and
1: yeah D-Star. your most uh, recent video right yeah you're talking about and oh, was it the most recent? Y- i was looking at your channel just this morning
0: yeah and i've also got a ft5 which i got from hamvention which i still haven't got out of the box yet uh-uh. um, i want to get that on ysf as well oh, so no, your,
1: your most recent video is about elon musk
0: oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's uh that was a that was a an interesting one but <laughs> Yeah, the the most one of the most recent videos is about uh, DMR. So, I've been experimenting with that and I've got a little MM DVM hotspot which I want to do a Pi Star hotspot. Yep. So, we're going to do that. And as far as personal projects though, probably the main one and I I really really want to get to it. So, it's learning CW because I got a I got a new I've got a key. Ah. I got my f- I got my first Morse key. And of course no one can see this at home, but Dennis a 3D is appreciating printed
1: uh three. printed cwmorse.us 3D printed yes. key. Yep. It has little adjustment uh, screws on each side and looks like a hex wrench sticking out the back, or is that the
0: Yeah, yeah, hex wrench. Yeah. For adjusting. So I I want to learn Morse. And it's isn't it funny? Years ago when Morse was a requirement. No one wanted to do it because it was a barrier. Exactly. Now, it's become like this awesome thing that everyone wants exactly. to learn. Exactly. Exactly. It's kind of like because me in an
1: English class. When I was in in high school, I hated English classes. like we'd have to read these novels and I'm like, this is the worst. And then now, now shall. I, can't, <laughs> I can't get enough of books. I I, I love All of that stuff. Even the stuff we we read in high school that I hated, I am now revisiting and I'm like, these books are awesome. Mm. It's just a whole different thing when it's not mandated
0: (laughs) for for you to get something. So yeah, Morse, Morse is... And funny enough, again, going back to what we spoke about in the club, we've got now four, three, four, five of us who are all wanting to learn Morse and I'm quite a bit behind them now. But... Uh, I'm going to hook this up to that's the. That's pretty good. Now you get a radio little, do little bit more. of
1: peer pressure. Yeah, exactly. You can't just say I'm going to do it and then kind of lose your motivation individually. You're going to have a bunch of people are like, "Hey, what's going on? Where, how's your progress on that?" And yeah, that's exactly. how I get most anything done. Is I I just join a group of people, then I get peer pressured into finishing what I started.
0: <laughs> yeah, positive positive peer pressure. <laughs> yep. So well, um, cool. yeah but uh, but yeah learning learning Morse code that's that's high on the list and there, there's all sorts of different projects and video ideas and things I just need to find the time to do them that's the main barrier so at the moment.
1: The CW push is is that motivated by soda is that just general you just feel like you're you need to start participating in that that kind of contest or kind of QSO what what's driving that?
0: I think it, I don't know it's I don't think it's anything in particular. I think it's just I want I, I want to learn it. Uh, when I was in school, we had foreign language classes as well. So you mentioned about the English class. So we had Japanese and we had German. And I wasn't interested in any of that when I was a kid about learning another language. And now I kind of see Morse code as a language and I kind of see it as a bit of a challenge. And... I think if you challenge yourself in amateur radio, you get more out of it than if you're just sort of sitting back and you're taking it easy sort of thing. So I want to challenge myself. And one of the biggest challenges is is learning Morse. And that's I think that's what the driver is. It's not necessarily that I want to use it for soda or I just want to use it. I think my ideal scenario would be I can sit down at the radio, tune into some Morse or some CW. On the air, and I can sit there and I can just decode it, and I can just be like, "Oh, by ear, the guys, VK two what XYZ? Uh, oh, he just sent that guy five nine, uh, and you know, because that would be that. That's where I want to get to.
1: And yeah, my favorite it's a long, is long when, way, but yeah, when I hear Morse code in like a movie or TV show, and yeah, I, and then I just <laughs> tell my family what oh they just said this, you know, like yeah, like oh really." Yeah. When no one yeah. is even paying attention, they don't even know Morse code just happened. But yeah. to us, your are as tuned to it. You start hearing these beeps. You're like, "Oh, wait, let me let me head copy this now." Uh, you know, and <laughs> it would be a it, it
0: there would be a coolness factor, I suppose. I mean, you're not gonna be you're not gonna be drawing in the ladies with your Morse code uh, prowess, but at least some, you know if someone's there and you're like,
1: "That's a new one."
0: Oh, Morse code prowess. To
1: I'm going gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> to harp on that a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: No guarantees, but I mean, hey, who knows? It might impress someone,
1: so. Yeah. So, you kind of answered my question about what do you wish you could get more into because you're talking about learning Morse. Are there any other things in ham radio that, uh, like, you've just reminded me about ATV. Like, I completely mm. forgot about that. From Pacific on last year, I saw an ATV feed and i'm like i want to get into that but then it just completely slipped my mind so i mean um, i'm going to i'm going to look into that again
0: so some people say why would you want to get interested in atv because we've got streaming and even us like we're on youtube and th- and we're not really no, doing that no but i was so like
1: that guy what? like even before when i was a ha- before i was a ham i bought one of those kits where you can build your own quarter or like 250 milliwatt fm broadcast station right you just solder all these things together and then you you tune a dial to wherever it's clear and your block can listen to your radio station and you plug in a walkman and and play your mm. radio station so that the the idea of an atv station, i'll probably have zero audience but just the fact that i can do that that would be so awesome
0: that's the the key i think with these things so sometimes you'll get someone say why would you want to do that what's the point The point is not necessarily broadcasting to zero people on amateur television. The point was, is that you went and built that transmitter. You put all of the components together. You spent the time to do it all. And that's the arguably for me, at least that's the enjoyable part is actually putting it all together. So like similar vein is with the microwave stuff. A lot of people say, why would you want to build the microwave stuff? Who are you going to talk to? Well, it's not necessarily that it's, building the entire system up and then when you get it to work and it's operational and other people see that as well and then they're like, oh, that's cool. I might try that and experiment with that too. And then all of a sudden you've got someone else who's interested and then someone else and then the interest multiplies. Yep. And it's all about the journey to getting on the air with that, especially with you know amateur television, et cetera, when we've got all these other technologies. I mean, I could – yeah – that's I can stream from my phone in five seconds. Cool, but is that as is that as um, pleasing and as uh, enjoyable to me as building a transmitter from scratch? Not really. No, because I know that I accomplished something and I learned something along the process as well.
1: Yeah, exactly. I just uh, yeah. For me, it's the process. It's always a process, and there are so many yep. things that I do that are just like one off. I'm like oh. Look at this thing that I I tried, and I'll get responses from some people, and they just take off with it when I've already dropped the whole subject, and I'm I'm like, oh, I tried that, it was cool. Now it's kind of boring. I'm I'm not going to do it anymore. And then I'll hear from someone else. They'll email me or, or respond on Twitter and say, Yeah, I saw that one thing that you built, and um, you know, I'm taking it a step further, and they have this really complex like extension of of that concept, and I'm like, Well. That's cool, you know. <laughs> For me, it was just mm. like a, a fairly expensive one-off. But
0: I think through yeah. the hobby too, you progress through your interests as well, and you should definitely do that. So I'm. You mentioned about what other activities and things do I want to do. So I've just purchased an arrow antenna, and oh, I'm yes. going to start doing satellites again, mm-hmm. and that come off the back of. When I come back from Hamvention, Kyle aa Zero Z did some streams and did a video on him trying to work the ISS. Yeah, and that's what I want to do. I want to start doing some satellite stuff. Get some other people in the club to start doing some satellite stuff, and then because I I've done a little bit of that years ago, I decoded some some f- pictures from uh, amateur satellites, and I've I've. Spoken via the repeater on the ISS and done packet radio on the ISS. But I want to revisit it again and I want to do it again. Um, So you might be interested in one aspect of the hobby, but sometimes you end up circling back to it some years later Mm -hmm. and just revisiting it again. Your knowledge may have increased. You may want to try something slightly different. It's a bit like you mentioned about HF. Someone might have been... Got their tests. Got a handheld. Got on the air for maybe a month or two, and then let it lapse for five or six years, and then all of a sudden they come back with a little bit more knowledge, and they get on HF because yes. that's what they want to experiment with. So,
1: yeah, and I just remembered a, a thought while back when you were talking about repeaters. Um, just a, I might edit this out because it's completely out of the blue. But <laughs> uh, with re- two meter repeaters, there was a point in time that my Aries group. Um, we were practicing sending images to each other um oh, using MT63 over the repeater so that we could blanket the region but still use our HF or not our, our VHF um handhelds or mobile and uh some of it was uh uh what do you call that uh, acoustic coupling no no cables you just hold the HT up to um yep. up to the sound to the maker <laughs> yeah <Yep. laughs> or in my case, I was testing it out with uh, the full connection of a sound card and a laptop and you know, hooking it into the radio. And it just kind of petered out. It's like, um, I think the determination was made that we would just all use Winlink. And so mm. it, the focus just all moved to Winlink. And I was kind of bummed about that, but then it also helped me create a, a Winlink gateway at my, my home QTH here. Um, but I was really excited about that whole aspect of, FL digi and and using repeaters to to kind of send uh, messages and images to each other um, it was yep. a, a concept that I had not even thought of like you know you you're when you're trying to send SSTV or, or whatever images to each other uh, there's a new one I forget the name but uh, it's like a, a texting app rattlegram but uh, you know, it's an acoustic coupling again. You just hold your phone up to the HT, and you can send text to each other. But I don't know why that's not more prevalent. I mm. wish that I wish that people would use repeaters more for digital.
0: Well, actually, funny you mentioned that. So that's another thing that we do across our state is we use two link repeaters between the north and south of our state, and there's an SSTV net every Thursday night. So they're sending pictures every Thursday night oh, over uh, the repeaters. Okay. So, See, I would be so, so yeah. into
1: that. That would be so fun.
0: That's uh, probably one of the newest. probably Yeah, probably in the last 12 months they started doing that. So, And they get so, probably about, I don't know, six or seven
1: on the net. So the thing is, with SSTV, it's just a bunch of memes, right? Is that what you're getting? Yeah,
0: pretty well. No, <laughs> uh, so they. So what we do is because we also have a broadcast every week, uh, news broadcast, which is regional news, and uh, every week it's summarized what images were sent over that net, and you know, usually it's just people's you Know just random images or personal images or mm-hmm. whatever they decide that they want to send. So, um, I'm not sure that the demographic is sort of meme, um, okay. <laughs> a meme demographic, but sure, we could, uh, I guess I'm just too used to, uh, <laughs>
1: I'm just used to Josh, all, all his memes yeah. that were that came through at uh, SSTV. Josh is the meme ham ham god, I think. Yeah, yeah. he's like he's like the <laughs> probably the central repository for everything, meme. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. <laughs> All right. Um, so who are some of your uh, Elmer's or ham radio inspirations?
0: Probably the, uh, the, the well, the first two would definitely be my um, uncle and, or my uncles rather, because they you sort of started out the process. They were the, the first ones. When I was, because I was, you know, pretty young, early teens, uh I got some help from the radio club to set up my first antenna and they set up a yagi at my house much to the dismay of my father because they come along and installed this yagi on the roof and started drilling holes in the side of the <laughs> wall putting coax in <laughs> What are you doing? <laughs> he was very understanding with oh, it all though okay. <laughs> so that was fine but uh so, so you know so that was that was good uh to to get that as far as probably more along the lines of the channel and and ham radio uh, related, you know, on YouTube, there's probably uh, a, a couple. And the first one would be, uh, I mentioned earlier, was Dick Smith. He was a pretty big inspiration because of the way that um, he got people interested in electronics and into radio and all that sort of stuff. So if I never really... It, Got his kits and and learnt about it. and I actually I had the privilege of interviewing him on my channel which was good a couple of years ago oh. he released an auto an autobiography I haven't met him in person I, I've spoken to him because we did it over over streaming but mm-hmm. I'd like to meet him in person one day um he's a uh, he's obviously a big um, entrepreneur f- philanthropist um so his time is very very uh, very little and uh but yeah i've we've extended the invitation out to to him to come down to our radio club when he's when he's here and he's a licensed amateur too so he's call sign's VK2 DIK and uh so so he's probably one of the inspirations as far as directly with the youtube stuff's concerned uh josh from ham radio crash Course is, is one and it was good to meet him for the first time uh, last year and he uh I, I, a couple of years ago, when I started to to really think about doing the channel and putting a little bit more time into it, I asked him for some advice. And I was just to him, I was just a random person asking for advice. And mm-hmm. he took the he took the time out to give me some some valuable information and and say, you know, try this this and this and and I really appreciated that. And I thanked him at Handvention for that. And I, he he completely he didn't even know, like he just completely forgot about that. So <laughs> so that was good. Um, and then I guess the other person too is, I mean, there's plenty of people. We're all good, good friends, good mates, um, in that community, but, and, and I appreciate everyone, but the only other person that I'd probably put a shout out to is, as far as Elmer's is, um, Steve, T.O., temporarily yep. offline. Um, Steve and I pretty much talk every day on discord and mm-hmm. we're always bouncing ideas off each other and talking about stuff. And it was actually funny, uh, so r- just recently he attended his, uh, he attended his um, daughter's wedding in Iowa, and uh, he put a video up of, of this on on his um, RV channel, actually. And uh, I was talking to him, and I said to him, "Oh, we're talking about um, you know families and stuff like that." And and he said, "Oh, you're you're a unofficial member of the To family anyway." So I thought that that was rather. I was a bit taken aback by that. So I have to give him a little bit of a shout out for that. We've you know he. He drove us all the way down to Hamvention and took out took his time out to do that and and uh, and 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 also too and also to Kyle as well Kyle and he he uh, it was fantastic to the, the help that he gave when I was over there and you know we we talk all the time so those guys they're really great and, and they're probably my my inspirations my Elmer's in amateur radio. I
1: loved watching Lux. the the reveal video. Where you were, where you showed up and you were hiding behind around the corner. Yeah. And then yep. just kind of surprised everyone at that area. And, yeah, and surprised. The, just how everything played out, it's like you couldn't have scripted it better. It was like watching reality TV. Cause like <laughs> you come up and you meet Jim, big Jim, yeah. And he's just like, hey, uh, you know where we could stay tonight? <laughs> and suddenly there's this whole drama about the Airbnb being. Like yep. evicted, and <laughs> I was like, "Man, Hayden just caught all the good moments in, in in this whole thing." And you know, I was just as soon as uh, you'd have a new video. I mean, I I had the notification. I was just like, "As soon as Hayden has another video, I got to go see what what else happened at, at Hamvention that he ca- he captured."
0: You know, so so I'll give a couple of insights about some of the things that went on which I haven't discussed in in other uh videos so you you'll get a bit of ah, an exclusive here. scoop so we're driving down and, and t- we, so Kyle had planned out that day and he planned he'd even planned out what his speech was going to be <laughs> that's oh. how organized he was nice <laughs> and anyway we had a we had a leak we had a bit of a leak someone found out that I was traveling over and it was discussed, this was about a week or a couple of weeks before I traveled over. And I I won't say who it was, but there was was a bit of a leak. And of course, you know what happens when one person finds out, they can't keep it to themselves, can they? Which is completely fine, you know, whatever. I I mean, I was excited to come over and if, if it was the same situation, if someone was coming over here, I'd be super excited as well. And so we turned up, and of course Jim had absolutely no clue. So that was that was a genuine, that was great reaction because he was just like, you know, what are you doing here? And that's where we kind of, it was To's idea. We we come up with we come up with that we'll censor Jim for the whole week because <laughs> in that in that particular moment, Jim did not realise that the camera was rolling and, uh-huh. and dropped uh-huh. a couple of a uh, couple of good ones. So we thought it would be we thought it'd be quite a funny to to you know, and and this is the thing about Hamvention too is when I come over I wanted to show genuinely how much fun you can have. So everything that you see there was just that was just us in the moment having fun, and you don't need to hang out with us to have fun at Hamvention. The point is is that if you can get I mean you can hang out with us if you want to, but the point is is that if you go with a bunch of people friends. Another bunch of hams who you have, you want to go with. You're going to have a great time. You're going to have the time of your life over there. You're going to have laughs. You're going to have so much fun. And we had so much fun, and turning up at that Airbnb downstairs and everyone. There was a couple of people that were like they already knew. Ah, okay. <laughs> uh, Josh, Josh, Josh didn't know because I lied to Josh because yes, I had,
1: I, I had, I kind of remember that you were saying something like you weren't. I I, I don't know, it's vague to me, but it's like, he's like, are you going or something like that? And you're like. So,
0: back in January, I discussed with Josh, because I said to him, I said, you're going to Hamvention, right, Josh? This is back in January. I said, you're going to Hamvention? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, I'm not sure what I'm going to do, whether I should come over. I was looking at going through LA. So, if I went through LA, would I be able to piggyback on with you and, you know, we could go over there and travel together? And he's like, yeah, 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 that's fine. So, anyway. I went went all quiet and then I started talking to Kyle and we hatched this plan to go over and I changed my schedules. And I never really told Josh about Uh it. And then he sends me a message and says, oh, so I was just thinking about you. Are you still coming over to Hamvention? And I'm sitting in a hotel room in San Francisco when he sends this message to me (laughs) and I'm like, oh, you know, oh, it might have to be next year. Oh, Oh, it's just so much. And – Josh was really supportive and good because he realised some of the challenges that I had in going over.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And anyway, <laughs> then I rock up and he's like, "You lied! You lied!" <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, but uh, but yeah, there's and and you know some of the other guys there. It was it was fantastic, you know, meeting Jason and and um, and Mike and and yeah. Carlos and everyone else, so, and Sterling and. Yeah, it was uh, it was it was great fun. I, we had just I mean, I was just oh, floored by
1: that one one video of the Smoking Ape that you had. Where, he just went on <laughs> a monologue. Up. Yeah, he just went on monologue <laughs> for like twenty minutes. I'm like, <laughs> what? I, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to get a chance to meet the guy in Huntsville, but you know, I was like, man, it would be so great to hang out with this guy.
0: Apes, uh, yeah, Apes uh, stand-up comedian. He's uh, he is so funny. And he's just, all right, son. It's always, all right, son. Yeah, boy. This sounds like fog on leghorn some of the time. And he's just like, you know, and I said to him, I said, yeah, I'm trying to do a genuine interview and I'm standing there with Kyle. I'm like, so what's your favorite part of hamvention? Probably the pork chop sandwich I just had. (laughs) Pork chop sandwich
1: on, on gym, right?
0: Yeah, and then he starts going on about how he used to enjoy eating koala from when he visited <laughs> Australia years ago, and I'm like, you can't eat koala, mate. Like, you're eating our <laughs> national animal. <laughs> so, yeah, it was uh, it was good fun, and uh, and and yeah, it was just we had the yeah. best time.
1: So, if you haven't seen them, uh, any of my listeners, if you haven't checked out. Uh, Hayden's uh, Ham Radio DX channel. Check out his videos of the whole Hamvention. I don't know if you have it in a playlist form, but just look at the. Uh, I look think there the, is, yeah. Yeah, look at the, the different videos. And of course, there's a bunch of other great stuff since then. A lot of intimidating stuff. Like he's got this uh, RF service monitor behind him that he was talking about. And I'm like, I have no idea. It's too many buttons for me. It's kind of scary. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there can never be too many buttons, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's that's the but whole t- thing. When I was a young ham, when I was like when I first got licensed and I, I did my first trip to uh Ham Radio Outlet and I saw it, it's it was a Yesu called the Earth Station. I don't know what the oh, model number is. Yes,
0: the eight uh
1: four seven, eight Yeah. I saw that and I had no idea what all those buttons were for. And I was mm. just I was just floored. I was just like one day I will understand what this thing is. <laughs> I just know that there's a giant dial in the middle and then there's like a million buttons on it. And I don't even know what this frequency is. <laughs> I was just like this mm. totally new ham. All I knew was a, uh, my handheld. So it was, it was something I, else.
0: I think too, if you, and I've had times with, I've been like intimidated at something. I'm like, oh my goodness, I've got no idea how this works. If you apply yourself and you spend the time to actually learn it eventually it actually becomes like second nature to you yes. you just you're like oh well this is yeah. pretty simple now mm-hmm. <laughs> you just you know sometimes it can be intimidating but you just got to you know push through it and research and mm-hmm. and just learn i
1: suppose yeah my favorite though is like uh, just recently i put together my Yesu 857D FT857D into a a manpack uh, that, like what Tech Prepper makes. And I powered that thing on after putting it all together. And I was like, I forgot all the menus of this thing. I don't even know how to yeah. change, you know, the the PL tone. I have I, I completely forgot how to work this radio. I haven't turned it on in years. And yep. so I had to get the the manual, find the manual online. Oh, not
0: the manual. <laughs> put it in
1: my, uh, my phone and... Uh, have ready access so even those so all the buttons and all the things that you get used to it is perishable knowledge if you don't Mm. practice it
0: (laughs) yeah yeah it is definitely and And especially yesu
1: yesu is horrible about menus so it's like there's no figuring it out intuitively you have to actually Read something. They are.
0: <laughs> I think uh, a little while ago, I was probably in the, the same range of radios as the 857 and the 8900 and those COD banders and stuff. They had a, in their manuals, they referred to everything as set and forget. So I think it was mm-hmm. the, the idea was you go through the menus and you would just set them once and then you'd forget about them and you wouldn't have to go back in and change them. Mm-hmm. So I think even they acknowledge their menus a little bit, but they haven't. Re- I mean, I don't have a modern Yaesu, but I just the ICOM iCom's just a little bit easier for a oh yeah you know, for operating. Uh, so, what I love
1: about iCom is that you you use one, and you just kind of know how to use all of them. Like if you have yeah. a seventy three hundred and a, a handheld of some kind, like maybe even the ID thirty one, the old one. Hmm. If you understand the buttons and the menu system of that, you can kind of hmm. go between different models, and you will know what to do.
0: And that's nothing bad on Yaesu either because I think Yesu make the best mobile radios. Oh yeah. Um
1: absolutely. And
0: I've also got a Yaesu handheld, an old VX eight. That's a tri band, it's got six meters in it. That's a fantastic little handheld. Mm-hmm. I have but, the VX seven R. Yeah. And yeah, I yeah. love that little thing. Yeah. But the the for ease of use, just as far as HF is are concerned, that's yeah, that's why I've got the icon. So
1: well, it's been quite a while here. I think uh, we've been well over an hour. Um, is there anything else you want to say or uh, plug or give advice about before we close?
0: Um, only uh, thank you for having me on the, the Resurrection show. It's been a, a good one. <laughs> Hopefully, all of your viewers have uh, – or well, sorry, your listeners have uh, enjoyed it. Yeah. And, uh, and they tune in for the rest of the season. Um, but, yeah, thanks for having me on. And, um, yeah, I uh, Yeah, I'll, I'll – I'll still be doing some videos I of of late uh, it's it's one of those things with ham radio when you do uh, videos on YouTube just talking about the channel for a minute there's so much variety that you've got to try and cater for all of these audiences that like sub audiences of of ham radio it's not like, you know, cooking or something like that where if someone's got a cooking channel they'll have all these recipes. Yeah, but it's probably a lot of people have just broadly interested in cooking with ham radio it's like you know someone might be interested in satellites someone might be interested in this someone might be interested in that and you go and you release a video like on these everyone is obsessed with these chinese handhelds like everyone is obsessed with the bao and the talk pods and the quan shanks and you release a video and and it goes really well and then as a creator you're like well i kind of need to try and double down on this a little bit because it helps with the reach of the channel. And so you'll find on my channel, you'll, you'll see like maybe three or four videos about Chinese handhelds. And then all of a sudden it just does a U-turn and all star nodes are in there. And then Service (laughs) monitors are in there. And then all of a sudden we've got Elon Musk who's making holes in the ionosphere. Yes. (laughs) And (laughs) some of the, some of the comment, I mean, the overwhelming majority of comments are positive, but sometimes you'll get, um, that you'll get the random person in there that you know doesn't fully understand that YouTube's not an easy thing to do. <laughs> you, you're not going to cater for everyone. Um, and sometimes I don't hit the mark with my videos and I know that I don't hit the mark, but I try to improve with everyone. And if anyone wants to leave constructive criticism, I always ask for that. But uh, But I hope that people enjoy them and I'll keep doing them while...
1: Yeah, well, I was was kind of clicking around on your, I mean, I've seen, I have, I still have the notification on, so I see when you have something new, but um, I was noticing that everyone was talking about the TalkPod and, you know, Mm. and and, and the various other radios and those, I'm like, yeah, I'm never going to buy that thing, so I'm not going to watch that, but, um, you know, some of the other stuff, I was like like the Elon one definitely piqued my interest right away. I was like, what? What are you talking about? Yeah. I, had, I had to click on that one. And then you were talking yeah. about um, All Star, which, you know, I was glad to test that with you afterwards and yeah. be able to connect to you and talk to you live for the first time. But, um, yeah, it's really, uh, it's just, I look at ham YouTuber channels as kind of a mishmash of all different topics. And, and yeah, I understand. Like, as soon as there's some new Chinese handheld you're going to have yeah. like at least five YouTubers, they're going to have it, like within a day, yeah. they're going to have it on their channel talking about it after they get it, or I don't know. I don't know how you got yours, but a lot of people, they got these like secret dealings with these manufacturers where they're sending them things, hey, please review this, you know, and I'm like, wow, I, I'd like to get so, it on that.
0: <laughs> yeah, so, and, and I think that it's actually good to talk about a little bit about that. Because there's some things that I there's some opinions that I have about that. The first one actually, just going back to the the elong video. Sometimes videos like that will just pop into my head, and they'll be like, "Let's just do something about that." And like, I I've already that was only released last night in my time. So I've woken up this morning and I've already seen a bunch of people going that this is clickbait <laughs> stuff. Well, and I'm it like, worked well, on me. I'm like, well, did you actually, like, if you see in the video, I'm like, it's not really a big deal. Uh, Basically, the story about it was, is that uh, the SpaceX have been launching rockets and when they, um, when they, I think it's when they jettison the fuel boosters or something, they make a large hole in the ionosphere, which can cause a disruption, which, you know, can cause a blackout on HF at worst for ham radio operators. But it doesn't last for very long. Um, it, it happens, but it doesn't last very long. So I'm like, oh Elon Musk is killing ham radio because I was trying to draw it to everything else that's killed ham radio <laughs> for the last 50 or 60 <laughs> years, you know but I don't think some people quite got the memo about that. Maybe I need to be a bit more obvious uh, but just going back to the manufacturers and stuff so I can tell you what the process is so what happens is is that we get these emails a few of us from these manufacturers and they say, hey, we've got this radio. Uh, we'll send it to you for an honest review and let, and let us, you know, as far as the talk pod was concerned, they said, let us know your constructive criticism on it. So now there's a few things about this. Some people get a bit upset about it because they think, well, why have we got all of these cheap Chinese crap basically is what they're saying. To be honest, from what I've seen in the last couple of years, there's been some improvement. There's still a lot of improvement that needs to be done, but there's a lot of uh, these radios are coming out with some pretty neat features, to be quite honest. Now, I can say that from my uh, side of things, Yasu has never come to me once and said, we've got a radio that we'd like you to review.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: ICOM have never come to me and said, hey, we've got a radio that we'd like you to review. And that's fine, that's their their choice and I know that some other YouTubers, they also are in the same boat, they don't get those offers mm-hmm. but if the Chinese companies are coming to us, well then, you know, and we do an honest review, I don't think you'll find, you'll f- I will usually do a review and say these are the things that I like about it, these are the things that I don't really like about it and I try to leave it up to the viewer to decide whether they should buy one or not. Mm-hmm. try not to say to them, look, you really need this. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it it probably would be different if it was a Yesu or an Icon because they're a brand that's reputable in ham radio. Everyone knows that you're going to get a decent quality from them. So I probably would say, look, I've got an FT5D over my shoulder here, which is still in the box. Once I unbox that, I know that that radio is going to be great and I can tell people that you should buy one. Mm -hmm. But there'll still be gripes with it that I have. So... It's the same too with the Chinese radios, and the big thing is is how dirty they are on the air, you know, the the spurious emissions, that sort of thing, Mm -hmm. and that gets a lot of people rubbed up the wrong way. So I try to do those tests and just say, look, I'm not here to, I'm I'm not the policeman to tell you to buy it or not buy it. Mm -hmm. If you want to buy it, and it's dirty, that's up to you, and I'm not the one to tell you whether to do it or not. So I I'm just getting the radio so that when you're browsing on Amazon. And you see a TalkPod A36 Plus that's green or crystal and looks pretty cool. And before you go to buy it, you go to Google and you Google the radio and you find my video that says, hey, this is the radio. This is what you get. Mm-hmm. You make the decision whether you want to buy one or not. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's what I try to do. Some people
1: and if we may look, not see it as that. But, if we look at your yeah. channel and sort by popular, I mean, yeah, it's yeah. all, almost all, well, your most popular video is about not drilling to get Ethernet run. Oh,
0: don't even start on that video. But, yeah.
1: <laughs> but the rest of them are all these Chinese radios. There's one about FT8. So it seems like it's the most polarizing yeah. topics, YouTube Baofengs all, and FT8, that are getting YouTube the most is, views for you. YouTube is all
0: about engagement and it doesn't matter if it's positive engagement, it doesn't matter if it's negative engagement, they don't care. If yeah. someone has an opinion and they put it on a video, whether it's good or bad, that's <laughs> when your video will do well. Yeah. And like, I mean, <laughs> I, I I could drop in a very interesting video that, or well, at least that I think is interesting about some aspect of ham radio and it might get like 2,000 views. I could do a 10-minute video on a talk pod about how nice the case looks or something like that, or mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. how flexible the antenna is, and I could get 10,000 views probably on it. Yeah. I mean yeah. everyone else on the channel is going to be like, this is just rubbish but <laughs> but but uh, but you know I don't know what it is about it there's just it's so polarizing that um, that Ethernet video, so that was I, I just moved into a, a rental and I at one end of the house, we had the fiber in for the for the from the the for the internet provider, Mm-mm. and I wanted to put my router at the other end of the house. Being an amateur radio operator, we don't want any RF RFI, so I didn't want to use like the plug-in, yes,
1: uh,
0: the Ethernet over power line, yes, plug-in things. Uh, Wi-Fi was a bit patchy, so the only other option was is well, fiber or an Ethernet cable. So what I was like is I had no uh video planned for that week and so i just i grabbed my phone and i was like hey i bought these clips that are these clear clips that you can clip cable down with and i've run this cable from my garage along the floor and up the side here and i've put this uh, trim along the wall so that you can't really notice it and then i left it for a little while and all of a sudden it just took off and everyone started getting in the comments going that's an absolute disgrace. Like why would you, <laughs> why don't you drill a hole in the wall and why don't you run it properly? And I'm like you missed the point of the video. Like I uh, it was like it's it's literally a video that probably took me 5 minutes to film and it's so polarizing because of how the cables run. And to be quite mm-hmm. honest, I don't even notice it anymore. No one notices it in the in the house. It gets the job done, so I don't really care. Um but I don't know how that
1: thing has that many yeah, views. It's, it's just it's funny ridiculous. how how popular these videos are. And yeah, uh, I mean like the, among uh, when uh, there, there's been a slew of them since Hamvention, there's been a bunch of Chinese radio reviews that I've seen from the various YouTubers I follow. And I think the closest one that got me to almost get something was Mike kid MRD. He did the tid radio H eight, something like that. And it was something where you can free band mod it. Like you, you just do a series of, Vulcan button presses on it and then suddenly it's like it'll transmit on anything, you know. And I thought that was kind of a, a weird, cool hack. Not yeah, not necessarily a legal one, but you know, I just thought, wow, that radio's cool. I might <laughs> I might play with that. I've got <laughs> but ca- I, I still I've got haven't. Ca- it's in my cart, but I still haven't bought it.
0: Well, I've got a I've, well, funny enough Tid Radio actually reached out to me and they're sending me a Tid Radio H8. So that's, ah, that's coming okay. on the preview. Channel soon. preview. <laughs> so I might I might push you over the edge. But it, that's the things that, like it, like even the TalkPod and I'm just showing it to you here like the, the yes. TalkPod you can unlock this this will transmit everywhere. Bright and the green. Quan Chang will transmit everywhere. The Baofang yep. will transmit everywhere. Yeah. Um and you know uh
1: You know Yesu has one that does it freeband. You know, yeah, you know which one. It's the yeah. the uh, FT four X. Yeah, and you, you type it, in the magic and code,
0: uh, and that's the other benefit with having the service monitor too. Is is that I can actually check to see how dirty they are, how bad the harmonics are, and how the spectral purity looks. And you'll do a test, and someone will, and you guarantee someone will get in there and say you didn't do that test correctly. I would have done it this way, or I would have, I would have used this. I'm like, that's nice, but I did it this way. And I'm, as far mm-hmm. as I know, it's it's accurate enough to actually give me a decent representation of what the radio is doing. Yeah. So, you know, it's yeah, I'm not the policeman. The rules are the rules. They're written there. It's up to everyone to decide. Yeah, it's the same thing with them. me.
1: When I mean, I, my my YouTube channel is pretty much dead, but I, I I do plan to put stuff on there soon, um, in, yep. including I'm thinking about even having these interviews as a live stream and then. People kind of get their preview and then they can download mm. it later if they want to listen to it offline because these are fairly long. So I don't think people would stick mm. around for a stream this long. Um, but
0: yeah, maybe not. I've I've had the same thought about because obviously we do streams and things, but vodcasts are, are still pretty big. Yeah, you know, putting yeah. putting vodcasts up and just people just talking like
1: yeah, especially but if that, it's on a,
0: div- a divisive issue. So if we could do a whole podcast, <laughs> three, three hours of it. <laughs>
1: Um, oh man I lost my thought what what was I saying about that Uh, but just uh, with the batteries I I had some videos up on my YouTube channel about batteries that I had made and the testing of them and my test back then I didn't have no fancy battery computer analyzer right back then it was just okay I'm going to run this fan and this little meter will tell me how many amps it's drawing and I'm just going to watch it until it stops working (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Um yep. And people would criticize that. They'd be like that's not a good test and so now I have the the computer battery analyzer and and kind of get some good good stats and graphs and uh you know a better understanding of things but uh still it's like no matter what you do there's always going to be that's not the right way to do it. <laughs> yeah.
0: And uh, it's one of those things that there there's always going to be a critic which it's fine. It's not a problem. Some people get abusive and they go over the top, especially in YouTube comments. YouTube comments are unbelievably unfiltered. Um, like even compared to Facebook, it's unbelievable the amount of abuse that you get on there. Oh, yeah. Um and it's not real it's not really warranted. Like they don't know me. They don't know you, they don't know what you like and if you make a mistake yeah sure i deliberately leave mistakes in my videos sometimes because i know that it leads to engagement and i know someone's <laughs> going to spot it and they're going <laughs> to comment on it nice <laughs> so i left i ch- I tested a radio the other day that i left an, an issue or not an issue but an uh, an error in the screen um when i was testing it and i thought well it doesn't take away from the test that i was doing but anyone who notices it Will know, oh, it was actually the 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 frequency of the radio was off by a certain amount because I hadn't plugged in my reference for the for the service monitor. And I thought I'm not going to take that out because a I don't want to go and refilm it, and b someone's going to point it out, which is engagement. It's it's people <laughs> are going to be like they're going to tell you if there's a problem. Yeah. And fu- funny enough, funny enough. Um, no one noticed it except for one person and they messaged me privately and said, hey, did you notice it in your video? You've got this uh, this uh, this issue. And I'm like, yeah, I left it in deliberately. And they're like, oh, that's okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, cool. I'm just waiting for everyone else to notice it. Nice. Making mistakes is fine. If you make a mistake, it just proves you're human. Yeah.
1: So. I think uh, a lot of mistakes that I've included in in both this podcast and and on videos is just I'm too lazy to edit, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh man Editing's the editing hard. come on,
0: oh, editing is so you could if you have, say a 10 minute video, I don't know what it's like for po- it podcasts probably even worse, but for a 10 minute video, it probably takes you three or four hours to edit
1: minimum, yeah, it's so like this podcast, I don't yeah. know how long this episode is, it's probably an hour and a half or so it's going to be at least an hour and a half plus some time mm. of going through yep. it at least once. <laughs> yep, and exactly. Taking out all the ums and ahs and, and, and awkward silences or mess-ups. Yeah, so, yeah.
0: Um, There's a good one for you.
1: Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Take care. <laughs> no, we're keeping that one. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, Hayden, yeah, I better close this so I, I'll have less editing to do. But... Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's great having you on I am so glad to have uh, Brought you back as my first guest For our season two Of, of Hamden Thoughts um, It's great talking to you You are in the future It's Saturday there And it's Friday night here uh, Anything else you want to say Before we go?
0: Yeah, I'll, um, I'll send you the lottery ticket numbers From tonight <laughs> when, they, uh, when they roll in I'll let you know Yeah, I wish it worked that way but, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> have a great fantastic. weekend,
1: Hidden. And, uh, yeah.
0: I will catch Thank you, you Dennis. online. And uh, 73 to everyone. And uh, appreciate you having me on. All right. 7 3.
1: You've been listening to Hamden Thoughts by ad 6 m Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.